Yeah. This is so funny. <sighs> so, Joe, yes. welcome to Art Last Podcast. The last Thank time you. people heard you here, you were coughing in the background. <laughs> <laughs> I think what? I think everybody in this house had a virus for at least a month. Oh, yeah. 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 And then, yeah, was... unfortunately, Seema had to... And we gave it to you. <laughs> well, Seema had to kind of keep everything alive while I was... Uh... Like you did when Locked I was over. Done. Yeah. Well, but we had backlog stuff. You were like out in the trenches on your own <laughs> this time. <laughs> I will say, I was sitting here doing that like bit. And I was like, I don't know if this is good, but like my brain is not completely on yet for my virus. <laughs> I was like, this is going to have to work. And then I like looked and I was like, I said, to, I said to our kids, I was like, should, should I record it again? And they looked at me like, no. <laughs> <laughs> I love your kids. Uh, Our silent producers. Like, they're like, no, it's not going to get any better. Like, <laughs> that's so funny. Oh, my God. Oh, uh, my God. So oh my God. welcome to 2024, I, I guess. Shit. So I have to say, happy 2024. Um, I've already been doing advanced press for us. We were on an unnamed vacation with our family. Mm -hmm. And I ran into somebody and I was talking to them and... They went to NYU for acting, and I was, and they loved the arts and the and We were not in New York City at the time, and then I said, "Oh, my podcast co-host went to school in New York City," and my child was like, "Of course, I have to drop in the podcast, don't you?" I mean, <laughs> you will be happy to hear that on the other side of this, I went to one of my kind of uh, artist collective, uh, like oh, yeah. club things yesterday. Yeah, yeah. It's called Artists for Artists, and it's like a we're gonna get it back up and running, but it's like a a uh, twice yearly like kind of workshop where established artists run kind of circles for emerging artists to come and present their work and everyone kind of gets feedback and it's like an informal very lovely uh filled with like good people with like these vibes um and i told them all about the podcast yeah. and it was like a bunch of people in the contemporary art world who were like oh my god a platform where we actually get to talk about what's happening in real time instead of having to wait like three years for an exhibition to come out when we can discuss it. It is Seema, like we are sitting on something. It is very important. And the they were just like, you've been doing this for a year and you didn't tell us? And I was like, yeah, we're a bit shy, but there you go. You've got a lot to listen to. Oh, Pixie. <laughs> so at least we're starting 2024 as we mean to go. <laughs> I mean, Pixie, just be in here. Everyone's in the house. It's good. Everyone, the house yeah, is full. Check it out. Yeah. <laughs> come here, oh, Pixie. Show, show Sophie. Come here, come here, Pixie. 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 Oh, she's doing something else. Where are you? <laughs> come here. Here she is. Here she is. See? Can you see her leg? Oh, oh, she's so pretty. <laughs> yeah, she's got her legs. Pretty Pixie. She, she loves. She loves being dressed up. Of course she, she does. Christmas she's a pretty, pretty girl. She's a girl. She's a pretty, pretty good girl. girl. She's a good girl. Okay, we gotta go. That we have to do this without you breathing into the mic. That's how. That's how I know. You're I love Christian. how she got louder as soon as you said that. Okay, we're gonna start. Look, we can start from the top. You want me to? You want me to do it? Yeah. All yeah. right. We're gonna go for it. Also, what are we talking about first? Additions. Additions. The, the second half is Stanley Cups. Oh fuck! That's Stanley right. Cups. Oh he's God, he's here for the whole episode. So fun. All right. I know that's why. <clears throat> well, you're a straight man, as always. <laughs> Look, we have to have at least one white guy we can pull in to give that's us right. some credibility every that's now right. and that's again. Right. And oh, you're, you're checking you're... all the boxes for yeah. diversity. Yeah, you're, you're our diversity hire. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Great. Well. <clears throat> 
As we now understand the global majority, I guess that makes sense. Welcome into 2024. This is Artlust Podcast, where we, I guess, make art accessible. I'm Sophie. And I'm Seema. And, and we, we are going to this- find a good tagline this year. Fucking That's I hope something- so, mate. I really hope so. Some- somebody should tell us. Just tell us what you think our tagline is. Should be also, if you want to make us a new thumbnail that has imagery, you can also do that. That would be really I appreciated. Uh, we got we realistically, thing. we just actually need to get like photos of ourselves. And oh, you make know, it... that's a good idea. I know. Okay, and we could we can have like a, an oracle between us, but it's secretly just Joe's head. You know. Say <laughs> that, <laughs> I did not see that coming. That was awesome. That came out of nowhere. Yeah, that, that one surprised me too. But it was touché, good. Touche. <laughs> literally, but, literally touche. All this knowledge that you know, if we just the like gloves crack it are open. Off, yeah, the, the gloves are coming off. There's all this knowledge up here. You know, if we just like crack it open, mm. then everyone will be just. Right. You know, we can speaking of that <laughs> knowledge. Today's episode, we're going to talk about additioning mm-hmm. because. Additioning is something that happens in the art world, but it also happens in the consumer world. Yes. It does. You're going to hear the consumer world later. Oh, boy. You get to hear about that later because every- It's been a wild time out there. It's been a wild time in the wild, world. Wild west of America. <laughs> it has. And we're going to talk about that. But first, we're going to talk about prints and additioning. And so we have mm-hmm. Joe on because he is a printmaker uh, talk about additioning with us. That said, as a reminder, in season two, our format is always something a little bit more- in depth at the beginning and something a little bit more TikTok in depth but different in the end. So in depth in depth in a shallow kind of way. You, know? <laughs> you mean it comes up short. <laughs> sure. <laughs> oh right. So oh, fuck. So uh he actually uh he actually asked me a question. Sophie, do you audition? Yeah I do. Great. I do. Great. Because I, have... I said printmaking, but photographers also addition. Oh, and it's, actually, it's sculptors what we live in. also addition. Yes. And jewelry um, makers. Jewelry makers. So lots of fields will addition. I have closed general? and open editions. I have okay. both. So let's start with what an addition is. Yes. What's an addition, somebody? Ag's not. <laughs> What's an addition, Joe? Uh, well, um, it in. Well, if you were to go buy a print or mm-hmm. see a print in a museum or a gallery, mm-hmm. you'll often see there is a fraction at the bottom of the print, and it's usually, say, 1 over 10. And that wow. would mean you, you, the, good one. you have the first print of an edition of 10. Now, um, it used to mean more than it does now because the idea was that eventually, especially – if you were um, working in an intaglio or on a, like a copper What's plate, intaglio, a copper plate, uh, intaglio is a, one of the ways of printmaking where it means below the surface. And so that would okay. be either a wood block, anything where you're removing material Light to make that. an image. Mm-hmm. So with a intaglio, which is Italian meaning into the surface, you have using copper plates, which are very soft, the image eventually starts to break down after maybe a hundred or so prints, depending. Mm. Or if it's dry point, which means it's just very surf on the surface, that means the image starts to degrade pretty quickly. So you want to get closer to the beginning of an edition than to the end. Mm. And then it's more valuable, better print, better quality. However, with 
new forms of printmaking, like lithography, where an image will not break down unless you did something horribly wrong in the process. <laughs> All bets are Unless right. I did it. Um, Lighting's a process. Lighting's a process. What's lithography? Lithography is you when you draw on a... Well, you can do it either on a stone, like litho, mm -hmm. um, or even on aluminum plates. Uh, and it's based on the premise what, that... Wood, no, no mm. not really. Um, it's... No, well, there's kitchen lithography, which you're just playing around with. And then there's lithography where you're making serious additions that can hold up to hundreds to thousands of We still love that kitchen lithographer, color. though. I think that person's amazing. Yeah, it, it, yeah it's, but it's, it's the difference between homemade and handmade. Oh, oh. Now... It Continue, Joe. You have the floor. <laughs> as we have certain printmaking techniques that don't break down as fast. Mm -hmm. And I do think it's also now is done as a way to get somebody to think they have like an important, ooh, I got something, you know, I got one out of the, I have 100 out of 1,000 of this edition. It must mm -hmm. be worth I don't think so. So much. is that I so so for people who don't know is that the purpose of editioning to kind of keep things uh, valuable to kind of manufacture an exclusivity around the work what's what, so what was I think the that purpose It depends I I do believe that it's a it's commercial and in in a fair way because it, it oftentimes a print shop will work with an artist and they will audition or, or publish a print Mm -hmm. It makes sense that they need to make their money back and make a profit. God damn it, Pixie. What? <laughs> For the record, I didn't want a dog. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but what, oh, what's happening right now, Sophie, and this, this will happen until like May. Mm -hmm. As... We had snow. As it warms up, the snow starts falling off of the roof uh -huh. in big sheets, and it makes a big loud noise. Yeah. And then that, so every so often, she'll run around barking because <sighs> she hears this bang. I think we could just keep this. Okay. Though I think I'll I tell think you we, later. I think we lost the last bit of what you said there, Joe. Just try to get so. So why do people? So Sophie asked, why do people edition? Is it to keep the value? Start that yeah, sentence I, again. I, I think you have to start from the beginning. Yes, I think people. It's a fair question and i think mm -hmm. that oftentimes print shops will publish an artist's work yep and they obviously need to make money their money back to support the shop to support the printmakers mm -hmm. the artist so yes it's a way to keep the value or give it value um and though i think now like you'll see sometimes like if that's the case once they've they finish that edition of 100, we'll say, they'll strike the plate, meaning they usually put a big X in the middle or they scribble all over the lithograph. Mm. And then they run a final print of that to show that this is no longer in use. Closed edition. As a photographer, I could never imagine doing that to my negative or like the sure. thing that my work comes from. It's just like, I understand it, but... Ugh, just like but, physically you know, I, hurts. But then the opposite. So then that's a closed edition, right? A closed yeah. edition is one of fifty, yes. and then an open edition is one that is literally could be printed forever. Mm -hmm. And actually, you'll see that occasionally. There'll be like a Rembrandt, 
Yeah. Or a Goya. Actually, Rembrandt and Goya both did open editions. Because they're steel face. And sometimes they'll do is, I don't know how they do it, but they'll steel face them. Uh And um, so they can print ad nauseum. But there is something lost. It's hard. If you were to see, say, uh, a Rembrandt etching on copper and then somehow it's been like steel face, Mm -hmm. there there is a difference. And Mm. um, it's just the subtleties are not there, you know? Mm hmm. Also, no, I mean, I, I, I guess see Rembrandt that in... is an interesting guy because he did get into printmaking as a way to make, you know, further his income. Yeah, yeah. But he also did individual wipings. Yeah. So he wasn't really so concerned with, like, every print being exactly the same. Yeah. And that he, you know, because we have, I think it's his crucifixion. Three crosses. Three crosses at the Cleveland Museum of Art. And oh, cool. each one is slightly different. And mm. he, like so, and they the, they all have mood, you know, where he he picks out different highlights, or he'll, and I think he also he was one of those guys, one of those artists who um could radically change a print mm-hmm. through the process, right? He was a master printmaker, mm. and so maybe like he did uh, Echo Homo, where you know like Christ in front of the people, like with Punch's Punch's Pilot, mm-hmm. and he'll decide um. Oh, I don't want these people here in the foreground. So he'll leave ink in and change it so they disappear. I saw then, some you know, of this at the like, NGV last year. Oh, he's doing it. <clears throat> yeah. So I think the one thing about, so like Rembrandt, so th- I think the, the thing about additioning though. So with like work that, and rework parts of the plate. Exactly. Right? Yeah. So I Sorry. think that the thing about, exactly. Um, I think one of the thing about additioning is it's very new as printmaking goes, right? Mm, like so printmaking mm. itself. First of all, printmaking is very much to me like photography, even AI, these techniques that come up that are basically commercial. And mm-hmm. first people are like, can this be an art though? And then <laughs> it becomes an art, right? But, um, but- Letterpress. Yeah, letterpress, absolutely. Mm. Printmaking, mm. letterpress is more printmaking. And, um, but uh, I think that for Rembrandt, he was a businessman, right? He had a big workshop. He had a lot of people working for him. He was a businessman. Um, and, but I also think he was truly a creative person. And so he was making these. And one of the mm. things that is hard is that Rembrandt is a great example of somebody who's constantly uh, forged, faked, blah, 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 because many of them are people who are working in his workshop. Yeah, So yeah, they're not yeah. actually forgeries. They were actually Mis- circle of misattributions. Mm-hmm, those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. But the other challenge with Rembrandt is because he had basically open it, what we would now call open editions, mm. a lot of times what you have is and like you'll be at collections. I mean, I I would be surprised if there's an encyclopedic museum in this country that doesn't have a Rembrandt print. Wow. I mean, like, like that's, that's I would kind of wild. Hey, like it's certainly of scale, mm. right? Like, but if you collect that period, I would be surprised if you didn't have a Rembrandt print. If you think about the scale of that and the fact that we are not in the Netherlands. <laughs> yeah. That's, we're that's not like... from the 1600s. But like, I would be surprised because there's quite a lot of them. And if you Googled Rembrandt mm. print, you'd see it. But the thing is, if you've seen very good ones, you can see the difference, right? Because, because you know, there's, there's so many editions. There were so many prints. There were so mm-hmm. many people working on them. And mm. I think the Three Crosses is a good one because uh, it is jesus and the and the thieves yeah um and they're all being crucified uh a story i got another debriefing in because of deadlock (laughs) because you know how that like jimmy's the thief on the cross 
Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, like, did not remember that story, and then I, like, um, remembered it because of that fucking show. So, yeah. so I studied, I studied Christian art. I know all the stories. <laughs> but anyway. I blocked it, a lot of it out from my school but I think, years. <laughs> but, yeah, but, you know. uh, but I think one of the things about those, about Rembrandt Prince is because he had so much, he uses so much chiaroscuro lightness and dark, yeah, that friends. actually it is very clear when something is a later print or the, mm. where the plate has been eroded because it's too dark mm, mm, mm. or too light right it's too over it's too much or... it's over yeah. white or over dark yeah and um so there's that's no dynamic clear. range anymore right 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 i think other artists like dali um and dali is very much known for like basically i mean i think dali on some level is why editioning is so important because dali would like do basically like he would just Signed piece of paper, right? Like he he did a lot of crazy stuff. Yeah, he was cooked. Increase money, yeah, yeah. to increase his, his to increase his uh, bottom line. And mm. so I think he is the reason people have such tight not him himself, but that kind of culture of com commodities is why people some artists have a very tight rein on additions because they don't want to they don't want people to go awry. Mm. Yeah, well, it's yeah. Um, actually, this kind of reminds me. I, I, there's a video on it was on Instagram of Neil Young in the 70s and he's record shopping and he finds bootlegs of his albums <sighs> like concerts and he just goes up to the guy up behind the counter and he goes I'm going to take these <laughs> and he walked out because it's the same thing in a way yeah I mean, yeah absolutely it's you know it's ownership and you know um and cer certainly not back then where there might have been some kind of revenue sharing going on it was People pirated things. And so I guess some ways, I mean, it'd be kind of exciting to think about that quasi Rembrandt print you have in your collection as a pirated. <laughs> uh, it might give it a little more cachet. Um, <laughs> but I, going back to this or other, Chagall. art world version of clout. <laughs> that's right. That's right. I do think, though, the thing you, the other thing that I, I think it makes me think about bootlegs and all that. Uh. One of the things I do think is positive about open editions is that you can get some some artists will do it like during um, times where they're trying to raise money they'll do an yeah. open unsigned edition to raise money but when they buy it they know the person like we bought a number of photographs um like there was like somebody who was doing open during covid or doing no black lives matter it was mm -hmm. photographs by uh gordon parks and there's mm -hmm. no way on this planet i could own a gordon parks mm. yeah but it was a um, that he had done the state had done something for Black Lives Matter, and it was like a nice thing that we could raise money, and then nobody will ever get to have our Gordon Parks. But um, but it was it was nice to have that because I but think the other thing that we can appreciate it. We can appreciate it. But I think that the one thing about editioning that's hard is that it um, for certain things it becomes so valuable it decreases like printmaking, photography, all should have increased the number of people who could have art. Uh, yeah, yeah it's, it, well, it does. It, it democratizes it. Well, it does. It does. Yeah, because yeah, so well, that's what the I photo did. It democratized near... access to information. Yeah, absolutely. That's what I love we about have, photography. Um, we have an independent yeah. bookstore near our house, and it's awesome. It's mm. Called Loganderry Books, and in the back you have they have like the unsponsored ad here. <laughs> they have like the fine, like the small press books, you know, or they'll mm -hmm. have older books, and they have um, p sheets of torrent from like say harper's bazaar oh yeah cool back from the civil war so you can they'll have the wood engraving illustrations of um 
you know, epic scenes of the of battles, or they had one of the five senators, like five senators from the South who have, were the first to secede from mm-hmm. the Union. And it's an actual item, but um, these were ways to get information. Yeah, like you said, either information out or to make art that was available for everyone. It's like Courier and Ives. Mm-hmm, true, true. Addition yeah. to prints, absolutely. Um, but... I- to sort of segue, it's also a chance for artists to make money. So, like people like Jeff Koons, you know, this sort of this se- segment like came out of a question. Yeah. This segment came out of a question that people asked. Somebody asked us about additioned sculptures, and I think that mm. um, you know, I think that it's interesting because I would say sculpture, you know, printmaking and photography both probably additioned before sculptors did, and sculpt yeah. even though like, and I would you know. People who basically addition, but they didn't call it addition, would be ceramicists, right? Potters. You were doing slip uh, casting, and so those are additioned, um, but they're usually not. Now there's you can have a signed edition of those, but like you know, historically you wouldn't necessarily well, say yeah. they were. You're making money off of it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the functional mm. too, right? But mm. but so like somebody like, and I think what happens in the art world, I know what happens in the art world, is that they find out that. Um, what happened, you know, you already were doing sort of addition, additioning with sculptures. Rodin's a great example of addition yes. sculptures. Yes. Um, but they, because you could, in fact, uh, they sculpt, uh, cast sculpture, at least, sculptor, sculpture at least, could be open editioned, right? Um, yeah. But they wanted to, to bound how many were sold so that they could sell a certain amount. And then, um, and I think then what happens in the 80s I know what happens in the 80s is that artists are able to create more and more basically like quasi product sculptures and Jeff Koons is one of them. But Ugh, then there's other yeah, artists. To- yeah, like it is a product sculpture, isn't it? That's such it a good description. Right? It's a thing. It's like it isn't really it's really just something you could put on your shelf, bookshelf. That's what they were producing. Mm-hmm. And so they could sell basically in like museum shops. Um, you know, another uh, another pair who actually kind of does some of that is, as well as the photographers, Gilbert and George, you know, they, they, they'll do edition plates, for example. Mm-hmm. They're not sculptors. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, they're all about money. So that works for them. Um, but <laughs> I always put Gilbert and George into the same folder that I put like Chuck Close. <laughs> yeah. Um, but anyway, so I think that for, you know, so that when you say like, and I think the thing that is hard about those edition sculptures, not the Rodin edition sculptures, but these product editioned artworks, mm-hmm. it came up in a question, will they increase in value? And I think that the thing about mm. additioning is when they're hand editioned, there are there is a human element that decreases the amount you can do even an excellent additioner like you know i was once talking to an artist named terrence hammond from cincinnati who worked in additioning Mm -hmm. a very good additioner can do quite a number um but uh still there is less than a machine can do right and so if a machine is doing your addition that increases the amount of that can be made anyway Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. and then um and then i think that as the edition becomes more and more commercial, like basically not art, the value of it will not increase that much because yeah. it is basically like trying to trick the system and the system doesn't want to be tricked. No, it, it does, does go not. Back to, it does go back to something we didn't talk about, but about editioning a print. When you literally edition it, how, mm-hmm. what, what, are you, what, are you, what are people doing? 
they're like checking it, right? They have to make sure everything is exactly the same. Like, oh, yeah. in addition, can um, you explain that? In theory, the idea is the so we go back to the print that's one through ten. Yep. Each one should be identical. Yes, they have and, like standards um, on many levels that exactly. they have to make. Exactly, the yeah. same amount of tone. You know, if it's light and dark balance, mm -hmm. um, if there's a area that is like a certain tone, it should be consistent throughout all ten prints. Yeah. Um, and I and I, I think it's really hard. I mean, you have to, it. There are you, people you who have to do have this knowledge. professionally. Yeah, yeah. Oh, additioners are it, amazing. Yeah, I I have a gossip story about this, by the way. Well, I, I do think one that you can tell on the podcast, maybe. Okay, but I want I want Joe to finish first. Um, is that? <laughs> I, yes, there are. I I believe that mostly now, uh, the printmaker, the artist, makes the image, mm. but then there is the printers, yeah, who are deeply knowledgeable. They might also be artists, but their job, their day job, is to print. So they have yeah. deep knowledge of the technique mm -hmm. of the history of the of this practice because that also sort of informs you as a artist or a printer mm -hmm. and the idea then is that these are identical prints mm -hmm. now you can have um one-offs you could like like rembrandt where they'll and they'll say that this is like a mono print it's one print uh it's like you know it's unique um and uh i forgot what i was saying um it's a mono print that's unique. yes it's so there are places or things you can do that mm. um but uh yeah and that then that really speaks more to the printer the professional printer mm -hmm. and it because really it's hard i i try to i addition very small one because why do you want 10 or like dozens of prints that are just in your house mm -hmm. um <laughs> but <laughs> it's it is hard because you have to make sure the pressure you know every the all everything that gives you that print that you like it's a lot of it has variables to be replicated yeah. consistently over yeah. a period of, of of a day or mm -hmm. a couple of days. Mm -hmm. Usually, when printers are when you're working on something, it's a long day because they don't want to stop because they might not be able to replicate every. And, you know, it could just even be well, the even moisture in the air or something. I was about like to that say the that. humidity shifts pretty quickly. Yeah. yeah. Um. So the store. Okay. How many details can I give in this? So I. Uh, I have a friend who has a dark room upstate. Uh -huh. She's a known photographic educator, uh -huh. and she rents out her dark room to people uh -huh. to uh -huh. make extra money, as you do. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. I believe uh, there was an addition printer who came in. I do not remember his name, but he was printing for a very famous photographer who everyone knows her name. And apparently... He was making extra prints on the oh. side of it some of her so, work. It happens so often in photography. It's I've heard really, really common, right? It's a very common thing that like, happens in photography. I think because, I mean, I so you know, I've I've done lots of processes. I mm -hmm. definitely, <clears throat> um, I wouldn't say that I'm you know a master of any of them. But as an educator, I've done a lot of them and actually educated a lot of people on them. Dark rouge. <laughs> I <laughs> wow. Keep talking. I'm sorry, Seema. It's okay. It's just because 
he thinks that everything has to follow a certain system. He's and also I like jealous of your fame and your right. platform. And my with many techniques versus Mr. Over Here, only And he's like, wow, I'm a white guy in this world and people That's listen right. to my brown wife more than they listen to me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry I didn't hear you over that cackle. <laughs> anyway, um, <laughs> this is actually, uh, this is one thing I think people don't realize about printmaker, but like every field has its yeah. nuance, right? And yes. I think if you're in the arts, you know, like, and, and but printmakers are notoriously like, uptight yeah. you know because oh, like yeah. they're auditioning and they're super yeah. and everything has to be a certain way and there has to be a process and i am like <laughs> so uh all, all my that's friends that's why we let her stay in the kitchen that's, right. her that's why i did my kitchen lithography um but thank um, god you found a healthy balance between the two of you that's right that's right that's right that's right i stay away from his print shop is how i do it um but i was going to say that one of the things i think is interesting having done a lot of these processes including slip casting a mm. lot of a lot of different um a lot of different what you call multiple processes mm -hmm. so one thing we are talking about we didn't say at the beginning the thing about additioning is these are multiple artworks but they're all unique so like each one is the artwork yes that i yeah. think it's a very hard concept for people because they see painting and they're like that's an artwork and a mm -hmm. print is that the artwork it is the artwork yeah it is a multiple unique, which is very hard, which is actually why also I think that the things like the Jeff Koons things you can get in the store, they don't feel like multiple uniques. But they don't. Um, they don't. But, but one of the things I think about the stealing of the photographs no is they have no soul. <laughs> but the stealing of the photographs is that some of these multiple uniques are harder to make. Mm. Like it is. Mm. In, in fact, like if you do slip casting, it's a real pain. If you are not good at it, you can get a... Do you know how hard it is to get, like, three platinum prints to look right. the same? Or palladium exactly. or a blend of, exactly. like, holy shit. And it, I it would guess that that's so is much a, work. Was she doing silver, silver gelatin? Is that what's happening in her studio? Um, she's got, well, she teaches people everything. So people can, okay. it's kind of resourced for people to come and kind of practice any alternative process as well. But, like, I do platinum printing and palladium printing. Right. And it's... Like there are a lot of variables. There, are, like the humidity Absolutely. changes so much of your dynamic range. Like, and you know, just like two points, two points that's of humidity right. can shift your entire print. So that's right. That's right. So which it is tough takes work. us to so which takes us to in comparison. <laughs> um, so we're juxtaposition. Juxtaposition. Yeah. Um, so I think that one of the things we've been talking about is that. In art, you can have multiple uniques, and mm -hmm. the number of the multiple and the, it, the importance of the unique kind of come together to talk about the value, right? Like the yes. the and that that that's true. So, but in essence, it is still scarcity that makes it valuable, mm -hmm. right? Like it is your three platinum prints or three. That's it. Yeah, and that's like your the whole point of editioning, right? Right. Like at its core, that's the point of editioning, really. Right, scarcity and control. Mm. And mm. so, well, I will say that that is exactly what happens in the commercial world that they do. And I'll tell you, let me start. Have I'm we seen an example of that recently? We have, but I'm going to talk about my example first. Okay. Um, because I was thinking a lot about, before we talk about the example on TikTok, I would like to say that I do, in fact, have a lot of um, empathy for people because I was- um, Me too. I was on a, I was coming back, I was out of town, I came back and I I have always very 
much loved Marimeko, the brand. And mm. so I can't afford Marimeko, the brand, because I work in the arts. And so therefore, um, <laughs> yeah. I buy my Marimeko from Uniqlo. And mm -hmm. I usually keep on my calendar when there's going to be a Marimeko Uniqlo drop. Mm. And I missed the New Year's one. And it was a oh, 1961 no. reprint. And it made me very sad. And Dang. I was thinking about the sadness. And then I thought, you know what's so interesting? They wanted me to be sad. They did. Because then I will not miss another Marimeko. And, and, and the thing is, I feel sad for you. That's really dumb. <laughs> I feel indifferent. <laughs> but my Always point the point is of that... difference, Joe. This is why we need you. <laughs> but my point is that I think we all have these things that we desire. Yeah. And what they do is they yeah. manipulate our desire and they create a moment, a scarcity, a FOMO, all of it. Because I would look good in all of the Marimeko New Year's ed edition. I would look great, but yeah. I can't have it. So, um, so, but then, of course, there is the resale market, which only fuels it more, right? Yes. So there's, they also all got bought up because somebody knew I wanted it and they're going to make some money off of me. Mm -hmm. And so in this culture, I have a lot of empathy for saying that. There was a basic stamp, basically a stampede recently for the Starbucks slash Stanley Cup. Yes. So, you know, those the you don't know because we the we're adult not a, sippy cups. <laughs> yeah, we're not we're not a we're not a Stanley Cup family, but they're reusable cups that <laughs> I've never hated a phrase more than Stanley Cup family. <laughs> I so fucking I will hate say that, that so I'm much. I'm right with you. I would have bailed on that family. Yes. <laughs> well, you know, they're what a that's a Kylex. I know it's a Kylex. I would wait in line to get a Kylex. <laughs> I would too. There, there's a cups. So I also think it's super important to acknowledge that this particular Stanley Cup release, I think, was a very, very considered way for Starbucks to still make to try and get out of this boycott that they're suffering yeah. through, right? Yeah. Because it's a way for you to Pasta. It's a way for you to, Stanley is also owned by a parent company that supports Israel, by the way. Um, but it's a way for people to still get their little like sugar drink, right? While mm -hmm. not having to carry the brand. So they can kind of, you know, move through space and still consume. But it was also Valentine's, right? Which I think is like part of, like it was Valentine's, oh it, was val it was a Valentine's Day release on January like 2nd or some 1st or something. It was early January. Um, because my, so because soon I will tell you this, this that, <laughs> It might have even, was it even December 31st? I don't know, because one of my friends in Chicago took a picture of the display. She didn't mm. want one of those cups, but she was standing in Target. I don't know when it was, but I was like, oh my God, I won't say her name. Is, is looking at a Valentine's display, and it was either in late December or early January. So <clears throat> so I think that one, the, to me, the big thing is that they have made everything a commercial enterprise, right? So that's six weeks before Valentine's Day. Those cups are going to be ratty. I mean, I don't know. I don't know those cups. I don't know if they're wrapped or if they're like, um, if they're, you know, like, if they're. Um, Did you see the TikTok of the girl laminating dusted? the thing that goes around the, like the little label that goes around the outside of the Stanley Cup? It's so unhinged. So, so one of the things I think that happened, I mean, I, you know, I, I, one thing that somebody else had said, like the whole Stanley Cup phenomenon is because mm. of Mormons and their MLA, MLM uh, situation. So I do think that one- Multi-level marketing, not men who love men, right? <laughs> oh my God, wouldn't that be awesome? Wouldn't that be awesome? <laughs> the amount of times I've seen 
people who are online who are like, what does MLM mean? <laughs> they like end up on the wrong side of TikTok. Oh my God. They're, they're, hopefully some people are getting like, <laughs> so maybe like some people are getting like awakenings. They went to the, I mean, I hopefully really on one side. So. I, I really hope, hope so. I mean, else, but on either painful. side, it could go either side. <laughs> you know, <laughs> gay men need Stanley Cups too. Okay. <laughs> um, so, so somebody said that part of it is that like, there, it is true that, the, you know, there's a, a good chunk of the internet, a sort of outsized by proportion chunk of the internet that mm. is uh, tastemakers who are Mormon because of, and it's been since I was blog, food blogging in like the 2000s, mm -hmm. that it's because like some of the norms of Mormon motherhood are about home and beauty. And then I think a lot of Mormons um, have this or at least i've seen this sort of trend of it which i find so fascinating there's sort of this like we have to hide in plain sight so we're gonna look like hipsters right like yeah like, we're gonna wear the beard and we're gonna have the dark jeans like what i was doing it with that was what was a hipster and then <laughs> like we have to look like and it would be this sort of like strange bedfellow situation Carrying like a penguin also classic Yes, right. Yeah. Like, and they're also wearing like a plat, like a plat, like always wearing a pattern shirt. And, yeah. and I had a friend, I had a friend when I was blogging, and um, our kids or my kids were little, and then her kids were little. And I'd be like, "Oh, this is so cool." She's like, "Oh yeah, I love her. Total Mormon though." Mm. <laughs> and I do think, and I and I and I think that for me, like, then this is not to 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 slam the faith of Mormonism, but it's the idea that these there's a chunk of people whose faith also for some of them means that you have to you have to have certain material goods. And so like I think that and that that you know there's other ways to think of so like inst I mean like many churches tithe not not just Mormons and actually yeah. you don't you call it tithing but a lot of synagogues as well. Hindu yeah. temples. Hindu temples you give money. Like you literally mm. have to give money. So mm. it is the the relationship between any faith and money is true. But in um and we've Populous. spoken about that a lot on this podcast a before. Lot. Like, this is not news. <laughs> so, But in this particular instance, mm -hmm. um, I think that what happens is because so much of certain kinds of taste making on the internet is, a, is it, are Mormon moms. And so I guess all these Mormon moms really loved Stanley Cups. And so they are, but they, because so many Mormon moms on social media just are moms, right? Yeah, so, I had like, no idea it came from this space, though. I didn't either. I was looking up for this podcast, and so, um, and so, so what? What somebody said is, and I do, I can see this. That basically, what happens is these these Mormon moms are real excited about their Stanley Cups. I don't know, a little while ago, and then it becomes really big, and then also but like not because they care about environmentalism. Or like, no, it's just cute. The sake of it it's being cute. reusable. It's the size, yeah. the cute, yeah. the bits, the it's cute. Yeah. I don't know. But then it becomes a thing. Collectible. It's the collectible part, right? Like, oh, I can have all of them. Look at all my Stanley Cups. And so then they, as tastemakers, uh, and all taste, I think a lot of things that happen with tastemaking are about have and have not, right? So, mm -mm. so, so I want that thing that very few people have. Stop tapping. <laughs> what did you say? Stop tapping, please. Oh, yes, I'm tapping. Sorry, sorry. I want that thing that so many people have. So, so I think a lot of tastemakers, it goes from haves and have-nots. And so uh -huh. this small group of people, apparently, mm -hmm. um, have their Stanley Cup. They love it. And also, everybody has reusable cups, right? Like, they have them away free at conferences. Everybody has a million usable cups. Yeah, out of plastic, because we need more plastic. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Stanley Cups are metal, but yes, but, yes. No, it's like the I know, ones I know, we I know. The... We get everyone has a million, right? But so then, then they're saying that you have a thing, but my thing of that, is that set a product of things... placement. There, <laughs> this is the hydro flask. It's the gay water bottle. <laughs> yeah, we have like so many of those at our house. Well, you like, um, be every color. every lesbian has this water bottle, but like right. the larger version. <laughs> so, so the point is that what what happened is that there was a culture where. Mm-hmm. Um, where a group of people have a thing that everybody needs or wants, but the special one of that. Like, you wear shoes, but I got the whatever shoe is the cool shoe right yeah, now. Yeah, well, it's also and like the sneaker culture. You yeah, know? exactly, exactly. Yeah. So all of those people then here, and then Target is like, yeah, you make money off of your, this. Mm-hmm. And then they do a special drop. So it's like a perfect storm. And then these drops are basically, they put into play our in, inherent... Um, desire and this idea of competition and people will fight each other for a cup. The footage was bonkers. But it's an addition. It is in fact an addition. It is. It is. But I can't imagine caring about a fucking cup that much. No. <laughs> like, no. If you're gonna like no. go bonkers over editions of stuff, like just get art. My, my Mari Mako though. Oh, my Mari Mako shirt would have been cute. <laughs> it would have been, yeah. And I, I stand by clothes, obviously. I'm a clothes person. But, but like, you know what? I, I, I think it's for me. I think it's not even You sell your humanity and like yourself under capitalism into this system for a fucking cup? Are you joking? I can't. I fucking can't. I can't imagine. <laughs> so this is the outrage section, right? This so, is the yeah. outrage. Oh, yeah. This no. is the outrage part of this. No, I, I have nothing because I just think it's funny. I, it's, it's, it's. It's funny. I mean, I, I would just have watched. Yeah, yeah. It was like watching animals at the zoo. I'd just be like... No, the animals watch the people. Have you ever noticed? Like, like the, like the people are pounding on the glass or they're mm-hmm. laughing at the... And you're, they're like... And the animals are actually watching them. <laughs> it's, it's, it's who's Who's viewing who? Hmm? You know, it's like... I, I, I think I just don't... I don't have enough bandwidth. To care about that kind of stuff you know because and, and to be honest and it's just who i am i'm like great we'll just have to we don't have enough cabinet space for that cup mm-hmm. like because we have so many other cups you know it's yeah. just it's crap it's and then it they're gonna walk around and next year it'll be something else how many next year are those people gonna have the stanley cup because the, they really care about the environment or whatever no no there'll no. be something else no. that's just that's like, what it is yeah right? And it's, it's, and like, that's it's that's so where it's different than an edition, right? Like, so the thing is, it plays on the same kind of thing as an edition and an art edition, but the idea is that the inherent. Boy, I wish exactly. people would go crazy for my art and start beating the crap out of each <laughs> yeah, I know, other, right? I just know. to get it, and I could over overprice it and be like, "It's going soon," you know. And um, and, you know, do you love I could do it? mockups. No one would complain up. when the price changes. Yeah, you know. I'll... But it's just funny because it's sort of no purpose. But I actually think that that's like the inherent difference about addition. Even though it's an addition, it's it's actually in some ways closer to like almost an open addition in that yeah. they will not gain value. Like people no. think you're going to buy these Stanley Cups and people are going to like want them in 10 years, 15 years. Fuck no. I mean, Beanie Babies, nobody's like retiring on Beanie Babies. 
Not anymore. Cabbage Patch. I remember Cabbage Patch. I grew up on Cabbage Patch. Hey, watch it. No, watch but it, um, I remember it, just they they would like. My aunt stayed in line overnight. I vividly remember like, the smell of Cabbage Patch dolls. Oh, they were great. They were that great. like kind of baby powder, like dusty. Yeah. See, everybody rosy. has oh. a Cabbage Patch. My friend here. wants to go to. There's a Cabbage Damn. Patch place in Cleveland, Tennessee. That like it's like this. Really? It's like a whole like thing. Yeah, I had no idea. Um, my friend sent me the video and she's like, is this somewhere near you? I was like, Tennessee <gasps> is far away from me. <laughs> in, in, in many ways. The U.S. is huge. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's like not near me. Damn. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The U.S. is huge. The U.S. is huge. As is Australia. Um, so oh, my, is Australia really is fucking massive. <laughs> it is. It is indeed. Um, all right. Oh, we should do. A... Is it on top of for this episode? No. No, that's not. <laughs> okay. But it's... No, stop. Stop. Just forget to say. So, to summarize, yeah. art edition's good, consumer edition's bad. Is Unless it... it's giving Seema the Mario Maker t-shirt. Or <laughs> art, art edition's on? good? Is that where we landed? I don't know. Where, where did we land? What are we sitting on? Oh, yes. We're sitting on... We're, these are not editioned, though. We're are, sitting on... Are, there weren't Eames chairs that were, like, edition furniture? Eames chairs are not editioned. We're sitting on Eames chairs. But they oh. discontinue them, oh. don't they? <laughs> Fancy. And they're similar. No, Noel still makes them. Yeah, as knockoffs. No, Noel still counts. Really? That's an no, open edition. It's an open edition. It's an open edition. Noel chairs are we are, sitting uh, on open edition seats? We are. They are. They are. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not. I like to think they're pirate booty. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love how you're outing my Eames shoes. <laughs> Listen, I gave Joe a bit of a rough time today. He's probably just lashing out. Yeah, well. Guilt by association. I, and so, I don't forget. So I don't, know, I don't know if I think, I do think additioning is good. I think additioning is good for the artist. I think additioning is good for the art. Because I actually do think like. It has to have value. Yeah. Yeah. It, other than just intrinsic value, it's it, it actually makes it fair, right? It's a fair market because people have mm. to survive. This is the joke about arts, right? Yeah, it's good. Like, you don't need to worry about making a living or whatever. You don't need to run yourself as a business. You don't need any business understanding no, to be an artist. Just, There's uh, no one trying to make money off of your goods and services. Not me, certainly. Not me. <laughs> Fuck. God, the big bad so wolf. The big bad wolf. So... But I think that the difference also, though, is that the th that's it's fair market value for the artist making it, and I think mm -hmm. it's also fair for the person purchasing it because they have the the faith that it is the right, it is a unique multiple. Yes, a caretaken unique multiple, um, unlike the knockoff photograph that was printed in that print shop upstairs. <laughs> well, we also didn't He's talk about money. artist proofs. Yes, he was printing money. <laughs> but we didn't talk about artist proofs either, which is like the version that kind of exists. Outside oh, yeah. of the edition, but as a part of the edition, that is like, uh, you know, the, I guess the one that exists, like as proof that the yeah. editions exist, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I love artist proofs. Me um, too. So, and an artist proof in like the commercial world would be like the, basically like the demo or mm, like the mm, comp or the something. The prototype. And <laughs> yeah. But the the editions where you're getting like sneakers all of those things those are actually the opposite in that they're trying to spur you to buy another one mm. right it's it's mm. spurring it's spurring desire it's me it's me always wanting to get the next marimeko drop and the so it's actually iPhone. spurring consumerism yes ew <laughs>
And I think also because most people like, so I think it also, if you don't hold to a brand, like I've always loved Mari Makeup. So mm. I have, I have always looked as soon as Uniqlo started doing them, I've always looked for them. But a yeah. lot of times people pick those editions and then they go to another edition. Like they get into Stanley Cups, they buy the Stanley Cup. Next year, they'll be into something totally different. Mm -hmm. So it's not only spurring consumerism, but it's also spurring you to be a wide consumer. Wow, I really hate that. Yeah, I do too. I do too. I do I too. I really, that, that leaves a bit of taste in my mouth. So um, to summarize this episode, buy yeah. artist editions, not yeah. Stanley Cup editions. Yeah, and just like don't buy your art from Target either. Oh yeah, good call. You know? Good call. Don't buy just your like, art from Target. Nah, That's a great just like one. actually go to art artists. Like, yeah. Fucking yeah. just, they need your money. That's right. Buy art from artists. Yeah. Thank you for listening. As always, you could find Seema at Artlust, A-R-T-L-U-S-T. -T. Yeah, and you can find me, Darkroom Varmint, Darkroom, V-A-R-M-I-N-T. Um, and you can find us collectively at Artlust, Artlust, yeah, I said it right, underscore podcast. <laughs> I don't know what happened there. Happy 2024. Woo! As <laughs> always, you should like, follow, and subscribe to the podcast. not even going to bother when we finish that one, are you? That's right. I'm just keep going. We're over time. I'm just moving up. Um, you can always follow us. Tell a friend. Uh, yeah. Artless Podcast, Spotify, Apple Music, Apple Podcasts, and anywhere else you listen to podcasts.